Now, I swear I didn't start this X-Men podcast just as an elaborate scheme to slowly get you to talk about Spider-Man comics as well. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I, I, I swear I didn't. But if I did, wouldn't it be great if there was someone we could talk to about both X-Men and Spider-Man? Like, who? wouldn't that be? That would be great to do that with someone other than ourselves. My ears are burning. Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm Justin. And I'm Zeb. Oh, snap, guys. Zeb Wells is here. <laughs> it's a surprise. <laughs> Welcome, Zeb. Welcome. <laughs> How are we doing? Great. Great. Thank you so much for being here. We're so excited to chat comics with you. Yeah, let's get into it. Where do we start? Well... I think everybody knows who you are, but we'll give we'll give them a little rundown, right? You're currently knee deep in Spider-Man comics, just wrapping up Dark Web. I am a big fan of your New Mutants run and then uh, the Hellions run we both know and love. Mm -hmm. And then you also wrote a little for She-Hulk and I, I saw Marvel Zombies upcoming. So yeah. what has your journey through Marvel been like for you? Ooh, well, it started 20 years ago now. Wow. Amazing. Uh, when I started on Tangled Web Spider-Man number 12. And yeah, I've been writing comics for almost 20 years now. I took a little time off and then also went off and did some TV stuff, which was was ended up being smart because it prepared me to work on the Marvel shows after Marvel took over all all media. <laughs> I'm set up to uh, it bought my childhood to work on that stuff as well. So it all worked out. That's great. That's awesome. We're an X-Men podcast, so we have to ask you who your favorite X-Men is and what was your mutant origin story? Like what brought you into the X-Men? Ooh, my favorite X-Men is probably it's probably Wolverine, but but. I have a big affinity for the Alan Davis uh, Excalibur stuff. Oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was my X-Men origin story was it was around a little bit before Inferno. And so, so what were we reading there? It was it's interesting because classic X-Men was coming out as well. Mm -hmm. So you so I was sort of like got sucked in by the Dark Phoenix saga that were reprints and then Inferno. And then and, you know, when you're young. It's just interesting because you're reading something that took place like or was published 10 years ago. And then you see where the characters are today. Yeah. And you're like, whoa, how did they get there? And you just yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, that the soap opera appeal or just how complicated the X-Men history is, it's is also something that people really love and and really gather really drew me in. And, you know, Excalibur, number one, they were talking about this mutant massacre. And for some reason. Nightcrawler's powers didn't work anymore. And it just, you could tell it was a big breathing world that you were just seeing a little glimpse of. Yeah. Especially awesome. at two different time points, right? You're like, what, yeah. what's real? What's not? What, how do I know? What's in between? Yeah. Yeah. Well, those classic X Men were confusing because they had those backups with, with modern comic book artists in it. And, yeah, but but when you're a kid and you love something, you just want to. It can be as complicated as it wants to be. You just want to find out everything. You just yes. gotta obsess Living over it. it. Yeah. So you've been working with different setups in your comics work, right? We were on the X line working with other writers in that collaborative 
work and then you were a part of the beyond board before your current run as more of a, a solo writer but even the collaborative nature of the event what's it been like working with these different teams and or how to approach stories like what's that collaboration like it's been really fun just to you know everyone takes their brain and it just turns into one big brain and so everybody gets more ideas for their stories I am a big believer. I will I will happily steal anyone's idea for my story if, if it fits in. My, like, I love that. I love it. If someone just hands me. Yeah, sharing or or having cool ideas for. And then you tend to have cool ideas for other people's stories because the pressure is off. So you're mm-hmm. kind of free. Yeah. And then I, I always like. I always liked uh, all the X-Men, the Hellions crossovers, especially when you know what you have to do, you have to how you have to move the football um, for everyone else, then you don't have to stress out about the actual mechanics of the plot because that's been settled on. And it, I think it allows for a lot of creativity because then you're just asking yourself, well, what's the coolest, most fun, most interesting way to get mm-hmm. from A to B? And I, I think some of my favorite things that I've written are, are ones that I haven't had to worry about the plot because that was taken care of by the, the mega brain. <laughs> the, the, big, brain. the big outline of the story of where we got to go but we can have fun along the way that's awesome. yeah exactly that's cool so i had heard in an interview about the initial spark for hellions that you were reading house of x and you just wanted to, to play into that world what what inspired you what drew you to these characters that are relatively unexplored and kind of damaged and messed up like why why this lot lineup of hellions where where did that come from <laughs> i i don't know I, I, it probably <laughs> came from somewhere i'm probably i'm still unpacking that but it was definitely real it, it came from something i know that because i got really inspired by it and that was really what i got drawn to it was part of the fun characters that were left it was part of the unanswered questions that were baked into Jonathan's House mm. of X and Powers of Ten series. I think I got that right for once in my life. <laughs> um, or did I? You yeah, did. You did. Yeah, yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> and <laughs> he calls you on it every time, too, if you get it wrong. Oh, that's we, it was a big was like debate in the beginning of the podcast. Is I was like, I don't understand why one is an X and one is a 10. And Justin had to yeah. explain math to me. It's to make <laughs> all of us feel stupid is the answer. <laughs> well, you don't know math and comics? Come on. <laughs> but I think, Jonathan, that series, it, it brought up a bunch of uncomfortable questions by design that I just thought it would be fun to get in there and answer. And and when you see all those villains come in and, and make a home on the island, it just raised so many questions, which... Also raised questions about, you know, our society at large and what you do with people that don't fit in. And, you know, there's many, many reasons that people don't fit in or people have a dysfunctional relationship with society. Um, And there's a fascinating debate to be had about, you know, is none of that their fault? Is some of it their fault? And what is fault? Like, we're all just human beings bumping into each other. What, why do we get to say that some people are bad or good? And um, yeah, it just feels like we're all responding to how we grew up, you know? And mm-hmm. so it was all juicy. Like that stuff is, just sounds yeah. juicy to me. So 
give me your tired and your poor. And I, I wanted to uh, see what we could do with them. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of really good deep character work too. Yeah. Like peeling back on those. Was there, was there anyone that was your favorite or you were drawn to or Yeah, I was drawn to Grey Crow the most and I think maybe because he was the worst. <laughs> and then you st- and then you start thinking, well, he's the worst if he's on this island and there's any good in him, he's got to hate himself so much or he's got to be so confused mm. right now and and he gets a chance to leave that behind him, but can he leave that behind him? Like, could, could you? And, and then once uh, Steven drew him like some sort of uh native American Adonis, you know, with this, with this <laughs> w- waving hair, he just looks so freaking cool. Right, yeah. right. And yeah. And then it was just like, Oh, this is my guy right here. We're going <laughs> to, we're going to ride with this guy for the whole series. He was, he was just so badass. Yeah. And such good relationships with both yes. Psylocke and, and Wild Child. And yeah. 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 There are so many good relationships in that book. Like all the unexpected bonding. Yeah. So I love I love a good unex, unexpected bond, you know, and and people that hate each other that learn to like each other. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was so fun. And then you know, I take a big swing at it. Jonathan would read it and getting notes from Jonathan was fantastic. And, and then it goes to the entire Slack and everyone. And again, like I said, if someone's got a better idea than I, than I do, yoink, yoink, <laughs> yoink, you know, I'll just, I'll, yeah. gra- I'll grab them. Uh, and so by the time I was sitting down to write it, I just felt very supported and that it was just time to fly and have fun. And I had also, kind of come off of my five-year break from comics and I had done a lot of a lot of like tv work that I was grind like a lot of grinding you know a lot of religious tonnage tonnage of writing and so it was fun to bring everything I had learned from that to comic books and I I really like how it turned out and then you know none of it none of it works none of it works if Steven isn't good at his job and you know all of the uh you know, it's a very emo book, right? Like there's a lot of like yeah. big emotions. And there were so many times where I could take dialogue out of it because just the expression, like he nailed <laughs> the expressions, the yeah. the the looks on these on these characters' faces. They all looked sort of sort of tortured and sad and mm-hmm. melancholy. It was, it was great. Best ways and the best That's hilarious. Ways. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah. we say we say praise Tarn regularly in this household <laughs> yeah. um and we were just wondering what it was like to bring the character of tarn to life it was well, okay well here's the other thing about the x office and coming into that on the tales of jonathan series which i thought was so good like you know the x-men is what it is but you can also divide it into eras you know mm-hmm. and rant morrison was really like the last really really big flag that was planted in the story. Uh, And then to see Jonathan come out and feel like, oh, maybe this is happening again. Someone is really doing it. Part of the reason I wanted to come on board is because I knew that I would feel pressure to do my best work because Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be embarrassed. I didn't want to come in and say, hey, I want to play too, and then fumble the ball. (laughs) And so, and then that was for the, Ten of Swords crossover, which had <laughs> all it. the other writers working on, nailed it. 
And so then you have like, you know, you just have all the other writers that are doing chapters. You're like, well, I'm not going to be the weak link here. That's all to say that I think I took a solid, that that uh, data page about Tarn and his, you know, that describes all of his, um, mm -hmm. the, the, the locust vial. Yeah, I yeah. spent so long on that. I spent so long <laughs> writing it reading it rewriting it rewriting it re you know condensing it down to to as small as as tiny as it could be so by the time i so i i by the i was really happy with it by the time i was done is what i'm saying but i put a lot of blood sweat and tears into that i wanted to get that right mm -hmm. and then and then recently i found out that uh al ewing was killing my precious tarn <laughs> the terrible and i was day. like yeah yeah, and I was like, yeah, here we go. You know, you kill the big powerful guy to show how cool your character is. And then when I saw how he actually did it, I was like, oh, that is that is freaking cool. That was that was that was freaking cool. That was a cool death. I, I really I really thought he nailed that. It was a death worthy of Tarn for yeah. sure. It sure was. That was sick. I always while reading Hellion saw a connection between Sinister and Psylocke's relationship almost as like a dark mirror to Xavier and Cyclops. And I didn't know if that mm. was in your mind at all. Cause even, even looking at Tarn and the Locust Vile as these like mentor, leader, guider, field commander, yeah. you know, set. Yeah. I think it was, it was more, it was intentional on the, with the Locust Vile and Tarn, but I think you're absolutely right. I think that that, that yeah, that Mr. Sinister is Professor X <laughs> is probably what was happening there, but it's just so messed up. It's so crazy. Like but you, also gotta, spot you on. gotta hop at that, right? That, that yeah. Mr. Sinister is on this council because he and then I love that Jonathan made that make sense because they need his technology. Yeah. And that's how the real world works. It's like, well, we need him. So he's right. he's got a seat. We've got to keep power. him busy. Yeah. Yeah, he's got power because he's got power. And mm -hmm. Everyone has to deal with it. So I just feel so lucky that I got to write a team book with Mr. Sinister yes. as Professor X. It's just insanity. <laughs> so great. So good. Uh, so I've been reading your Spider-Man run since the start, really enjoying it, really loving the dig into the different characters and the, the villains. So we've been going through the amazing arc and then into Dark Web. So what were your goals when you were coming into this run to returning to this character in a new way? Yeah. So uh, for the, for the run, the reason I wanted to do it is I thought since the last time I wrote Spider-Man, I personally felt like I had just gotten better. Like I had figured out writing comics a lot more. Mm -hmm. And also I think when you first start writing comics and get a chance to write Spider-Man, there are certain stories that, that are very, they're very fan. You know, you grew up as a fan and so you get your chance. Oh, and I want to write a story about how Spider-Man, he's he's been fighting these same villains for so long. You know, I want to call attention to that. And, you, you know, you're making all these comments and, and jokes and and then you see the next guy coming in and he's doing those, you know, he's doing this. I think it's just, you got to burn through that stuff. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So part of it was me saying, oh, if I got a chance to write Amazing Spider-Man, I have no clue what I would do. <laughs> I've burned through, I've burned through all the surface level, the easy stuff. I've burned through all the easy stuff. 
So I don't know what would happen if I if I got to do it. So that was exciting to me. I just wanted to throw myself into the deep end and, and writing Amazing Spider-Man is was much deeper than I even could have imagined. It's uh it's just its own thing. I don't think there's anything quite like it uh in the in the market right now. So yes, it's Spider-Man. been an intense yeah. you know, twice twice a month. Right. Which as far as writing it goes, it's much more than twice a month because the artists have to stagger. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they always, you know, Marvel wants giant sized issues. They want, you know, like the dark web prologue and the finale. And so you're doing a lot of writing, which felt like a big challenge. Yeah. Who, um, so especially in the beginning and, and throughout the, the amazing Spider-Man run, we've been playing around with his different villains, his rogues. Like, do you have a a favorite or one that was the most exciting to get to explore. I particularly loved the tombstone arc and just really getting yeah. to know him as a character. Yeah. Tombstone. I always loved tombstone growing up that uh, Sal Buscema stuff in spectacular Spider-Man was great. Hmm. Uh, it was just super interesting though, because that, that character was such a big bully and, you know, had a weird obsession with Robbie Robertson and, yeah. And I wanted to write that version of him, but then I don't know what happened. You just it like it's so weird. Sometimes he just it's just I it sounds I, I never talk like this, but it did just seem like Tombstone was just like, no, I want to be this guy. You just write <laughs> me as this like badass uh crime lord who's like super and, and people have written him like that before me, but and then seeing how Johnny drew him, I think he just became his own thing and took on a life of his own. Yeah. And that was awesome. Um, I'm able, I'm getting my hands on Craven right now, Ooh. which is super, super fun. Yeah. I, we're doing something really fun there. Um, and then I love the, I love the Sinister Six. I love digging in on them. I loved writing the Vulture. He's so just a mean old man. Is, <laughs> He's is so sort of, angry. Sort of fun. Yeah, yeah, so angry. He's so weird. <laughs> Good. Great. Uh, let's uh, talk about Norman Osborne. Mr. Uh, Osborne. His, his relationship with Peter has changed a lot, but can we really trust him? Hmm. I think we can trust him, but, you know, destiny is destiny. Fate is fate. And you got to you got to keep your head on your swivel on a swivel if you want to change your destiny or. Yeah, we wanted to play with that because. It's a very it's a very metaphysical thing we're talking about that was set up in the previous arc that he his sins are gone. Yeah, right. And. Yeah. His sins are gone, but the the what we wanted to play with was the guy that got lured down a path that would lead to him committing those sins is mm. still the same. So the question is, can he keep from taking the easy way out or can he keep from being dragged down that road mm. a second time? And that's super fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah that yeah. is super interesting. Like, can he actually not like if the same situation came up, would he do exactly the same thing? Especially yeah. now as he's collaborating with Peter and and playing off of him versus and, and in full knowledge of. Seb, you're going to make me read Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she she read all we've of got, We've got great yeah. artists. We've got great artists on this book. If 
even if I was, uh, even if I was whiffing it, which some people think I am, the the art alone would yeah. be uh, would be worth reading. It. It's fantastic. Yeah, that's no, a ton of fun. Yeah, we like it. I mean, I've I've only read the dark web issues, but I like read the prequel one, yeah, and I McGinnis, was like, oh, McGinnis killed it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've been leaving them out on the counter and just like, hey, you know, it's some Spider-Man fun over here. Spider-Man over here if you want to pick that up. You know, speaking of Dark Web, I got to know, uh, Rec Rap miniseries when? Because he was <laughs> my favorite. I just, I loved him. He was so ridiculous in all the best ways. Yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, uh, Ed, we we, were, we we got on the on, on a Zoom with Ed and we were just like talking over what we wanted to do. And, and you know, Ed's got a really, distinct style that is super bombastic and cool so mm -hmm. i just wanted to make sure he was excited and so he so he just said is there anything we can do with this character design and i saw it i was like oh well clearly that has to be in this comic <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, and then that. and then when i just started writing it, it was just so so stupid the stuff he was saying <laughs> but that's what and i just reread it because i because I saw, because I got some text from people that were like, "What? What is this rec rap guy?" And I was like, <laughs> "I don't know, I was just having fun." And then I reread it. And I was like, "Oh, this is some of the the dumbest dialogue I've ever written in my life." I don't it's know. Like, Park, I love it. So Parker much. Pete Man from that moment, I was just like, "Parker <laughs> Pete Man," <laughs> with the look, he's got the love in his eyes. Like I just, I he he, he had my heart. He had my heart yeah, immediately. We loved. Yeah, him. yeah. The wall prancing is. Yeah. I don't know him in that little scooter. The wall I'll prancing. That little scooter. Yes. Oh, the scooter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Love was that fun. Scooter. Yeah, that was a ton of fun. And even just his story about being a demon that gets redeemed, essentially, and it has and wants to do good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like he's got a really cool motivation. Uh, what what made you want to revisit the demonic landscape of Inferno? What, what or the the situation of bringing hell on earth? I th mostly it was seeing how much crossover we had between Ben Riley and Madeline Pryor. That's what I, that's what I would say logically, or that, that's what I think happened, but I seem to keep going back to Inferno. And so I think there might be something going on under the surface too, that I'm not, not aware of, which I also think is, I just read those Inferno comics at the, exact right time where my brain was getting completely blown open by the X-Men, by Marvel, by all of this stuff. It, it was just a whole new world. And I think that, that, that crossover just got in deep um, yeah. where I, you know, before you're jaded, you think every comic you read is the most important chapter of this Marvel story that you have ever read. And and so I, I guess I don't know. It's just in, it's just in me in a strange way. Yeah, it just it sticks with you. My my first X Men comic was Magneto ripping Wolverine's adamantium out of his body, uh -huh. and that that yeah. image was burned into my seven year old brain and will never leave. Yeah, because of that. He, yeah, and, yeah, sure. Oh man. Okay, so I know what I love about Madeline. But I want to know what you love about Madeline. Well, I love that she, especially as the Goblin Queen, she animates this part of ourselves that I think most of us have, 
or at least had it various various ages growing up where you get into a relationship it's like this codependent part of you not that i think she's a codependent character but she kind of animates this rage of when someone says you don't matter to me anymore and you're yeah. like well do i not matter to anyone do i do i exist what am i and just her her backstory where everyone around here kind of gathered up and just by the nature of how you know the stories happen no one did this i don't think any writer did this to her on purpose but if you look at her her yeah. tale everyone she loved just said ah we don't yeah. care about her anymore she doesn't matter that's enough of and you and so and and you know in the real world you you know you want to you want that person to get help you want them to get therapy you want them to learn that your self-worth comes from inside but this is comic books, baby. I don't, I want her to sit. I want her to sit, you know, you're looking, I want her to sit yes. in that animosity. Right. I want her to sit in that feeling because she animates something that I think we can all, you know, when you see her pissed off, you're like, yeah, she is yes. pissed off. And like, she's going to, yeah, run yeah. Screw like, get everybody. It. Get yeah. them. Yeah. Take them down. Yeah. Though. Screw them. Screw everybody. <laughs> make them pay. Let it burn. And, Yes. Let yeah. It let it burn. Exactly. And so I like animating that part of myself. And I think that part that a lot of people have that isn't healthy. And, uh, and yeah, that's what, that's what I think a comic book villain does. And you have to be careful because mm -hmm. as you get older and you realize everyone that's bad, like I was saying, everyone that's bad has a reason to be bad. Everyone just needs help. Yeah. Everyone just needs some help, someone to talk to. Um, Someone to but, give them their memories back. You know? right. <laughs> yes, I'm going to give their memories back. Exactly. But we need villains, right? So I these these characters, I feel like they animate a certain section of your healing process. But they, mm -hmm. they get stuck here because they allow you to explore that part before you heal. And I think Madeline's a big part of that. She She allows me to embody something a very painful part of life that, that a lot of us feel every once in a while and then go uh, inflict pain on people because of it. Yeah. It's interesting to hear you say that because I'm like sitting here saying, I know I love Madeline. And then you say that and I was like, Oh, that's why I love Madeline. <laughs> she like is the representation of my rage yeah. that I hold deep within. Yeah. Like, Take it out on every, everyone that's wronged you. I can yes. watch her tear them to yes. pieces. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you totally. don't. I don't matter. You don't matter. You know, it's yeah. <laughs> nothing. Person, nowhere, place. I'll get you. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, uh. but, but then I liked it. You can tell that she's so mad about it, but but like you are when you're stuck in that place, she might believe it a little bit. You know, mm -hmm. and that's what she's fighting against. She's fighting against the the voice inside of her that's saying maybe they're right, maybe it's true. And that's why I think she's noble and noble and we can root for her because she's saying, no, it's, you know, it's yeah. not true. Yeah. yeah. She wants to be that's more cool. than that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And she goes through a, a big arc throughout the event too, yeah. right? Like she's driven by the vengeance and just wanting what she wants and what she feels like she's owed and just raising hell literally. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then seeing, what happens in Jerry's series when someone just says, Oh, this is what you, this is what you need. What if I just give it to you? Yeah. You know what I think? Oh, I think. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> I think that's what uh, that's I know, you know, I, I'm all messed up. So like a big thing for me to learn was that sometimes you like, you can just ask for what you need. Like some people will usually give it to you if you know how to ask for it. Um, yeah. You know, so we're all, we're all trying to help each other out. We yeah. all want people to, you know, yeah, yeah. if you know how to ask for something, most of the time people will uh, help you out. And then worst case scenario, you can learn how to give it to yourself. Yeah. yeah. Just put the scythe down and we can talk about this. <laughs> talk about it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no uh, well, there's a perfect transition to our friend, Ben, um, who's been going through a lot. So what can you tell us about Ben's journey and where he's been up to this point? Yeah, it's a lot of trauma, of course. When And when I got my hands on him, I, you know, because he had been dead for so long and no one really wanted to touch him, mm-hmm. yeah. I think creatively. And then Dan brought him back and then he had a bunch of, uh, you know, a bunch of more pain and crazy stuff going on. So... So I I wanted to see how that would affect him. I wanted to try to do. I tried to try to see what Peter would be like without if he lost like the Uncle Ben part of him. What yeah. what would he be like? And then and then things just tend to take on a life life of their own. So, um, yeah. The uh, even just seeing the holes in people's faces every yeah. time it gives me the shivers of just to know that that's what's happened to him because of beyond like beyond was an insane kind of villain with that affecting his mind on such a deep level, but also manipulating everything around him. That that was intense to come out of that with a lot of deep changes to your psyche. Yeah. And I think it was, it was really sad for me to think about him being wooed by beyond by telling him, Hey, you're our guy. You're so strong. You're, you're the better Spider-Man. We want you. And then for him to find out that they really wanted him because he was easier to manipulate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was like really heartbreaking for me and and uh wanted to see how he would deal with that. So and yeah, I, I think Ben is gonna be part of it um for a while, for a long time. For he'll he'll poke in and out of this series for sure. We're not done with him. Excellent. That's good to know. You're thinking about where where we leave him and where we leave Maddie. I, I love the fact that you've introduced the limbo embassy. I don't yeah. know if you, if you can say anything about yeah. that, but just just the beauty of that in the New York skyline in relation to Krakoa, uh, the the Krakoan yeah. treehouse. Just you know, and and that last page of New Yorkers just being cool with it. You know, and it's just lives. another piece yeah. of the, <laughs> the the vista. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I. I was in New York for the pandemic and it was, I just and it thought was it was hell. really cool how, <laughs> well, and, and just how everyone adjusted, you know, everyone adjusts. Like one day no one was wearing masks and then the next day everyone was wearing masks and everyone just went kept going and went about their business. And um, yeah, New York's cool. I think New York could handle a limbo embassy. Exactly. <laughs> It'll thrive there. Is there any intent to pick up those strings or is that the, the spoiler territory or do you have any uh any thoughts on wh- where do we leave Maddie and Yeah, I definitely want to uh well, it kind of go I well, here's the thing. Nick Lowe <laughs> loved the loved those demons from Limbo so much. 
And Ed McGinnis loved drawing all that, all, you know, all the uh, rec crap. So I, I, I would be, uh, I would be canceling Christmas for Ed McGinnis if we didn't dip our toe back in there at some point. Yes. Um, and I want to keep Ed around. You know, I'll keep, I'll do, I'll bend over backwards to keep Ed around um, for as long as I can. He's he's one of the greats. So yes. So yeah, and and then not even with the Ed stuff, I do have ideas of how the Limbo Embassy can come back and. You know, I, I like, I, I even with Hellions, I, I like the idea of you spend like the first half of your run, you just, you're just throwing ingredients into the, into the mm -hmm. stew and eventually it like takes on a life of its own. And then as you kind of go towards the, the end or, or one of the endings, you know, the, the, all, all, all those ingredients are overlapping and you try to bring back as much of it as possible. Yeah. Yes. Which is just crazy too to think about how, because Maddie bringing back into this and, and her starting off your Hellions run, and just like the the arc of her story throughout Hellions and wanting to be a seen as a person mm -hmm. and and even just trying to reclaim that later on in Dark Web. Like like if you see those pieces, her story has really been developing across your work over the yeah, last yeah. years. Yeah, so I'd like to to check in with her again. I, I just yeah have a lot of a lot of affection for her, and then just want to play with some of those toys we put on the on the board. Yeah. yeah. So as we're wrapping things up here, what other work do you have going on? What's coming up next for you? What what's what's going on in Zeb's well, world? I did a little bit of work on the Marvels. I'm very excited about that. Oh yeah. Oh, sick. Um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I've got, I've got a few irons in the Marvel studios of fire that are keeping me very, very busy. Um, of course that started happening right when I decided to write a bi-monthly or a, yeah, twice, twice monthly comic book. So it rains and pours. I, I'm, <laughs> There's not a lot I can talk about, but I like yeah. I said, my uh, my elbows are sore <laughs> from writing. They're keeping me very busy, and I'm not leaving the house well, very often. But I'm having a great time. Well, as long awesome. as you, as long as you're having fun and you're not like in in the demon tower like Ben, <laughs> you know you, you can't leave. You're just back at your keyboard. <laughs> we want to make sure you're okay, Zeb. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing great. I'm having a, a great time actually. It's really fun. To work, you know, you work really hard and then uh, have comics, you know, you get to write a comic for John Romita Jr. at the end of the week. It's mm. just, yeah. it's, uh, it's, I'm really grateful for everything. It's been a really fun year. That's awesome. That's great. Well, we're really grateful to have this time, hang yes. out and talk especially, comics with you. Especially the fact that you're so busy, your elbows hurt. It's really, really means a lot that you <laughs> took the time to, to hang out with us and talk comics. So thank you so much for being here. No, super fun. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to and thanks for reading, guys. I really appreciate it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I've been rereading Hellions over the last day and a half. And actually I, I had read the start of the New Mutants run, but I never I, I wasn't collecting at that time, but I just binged read it the other day. And it was so fun and such an interesting add into Legion story and even karma. Yeah. And just a lot of great stuff. Magic. Magic yeah, I, too. I was really happy. I was really happy with that. Uh, it's been fun because it seems like it, it seems like people talk about it more over the last couple of years. It's had a little bit of a resurgence, which 
I was still, I was really so I was really proud of it when it came out. So that makes me really happy that that people seem to have discovered it. Yeah, uh, yeah. And even later, it's crazy. Even just the pieces that still remain relevant of the oh, story yeah. port parts that you added to it. I just think that that's that's really cool. Speaks to it. Cool. Well, uh, looking awesome. forward to the next issues and yes. thanks for hanging out. Have a great night. Yes. Yeah. Thanks for reading, guys. Yeah, of course. Until next time, old friend. Charles! Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan.